This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. A new week begins here on the Black and Blue Report. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. Welcome into the Oscar Sports Performance Center as we all are back to work. That includes us after a long holiday weekend, a full sports weekend as well. Some of it didn't go too well for some of our teams. Uh, so our, our little run there has come to a bit of an end as the Saints lose yesterday at the Los Angeles Rams. 26-20 to was the final score. So that eight-game win streak is, is done. LSU held up their end of the bargain. They were winners, but tough losses for Tulane, Nichols, and Southern, and the Pelicans uh, lost the final game of their road trip. But, but on the Pelican side, a very positive Thanksgiving week. That was a fantastic week that saw them go three and one. So a little, little good, little uh, not so good here as we begin the new week, which will also be busy for the Pels and the Saints. The Saints have that monster game on Sunday now coming up against the Carolina Panthers at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Both of those teams are now eight and three and right there at the top of the NFC South. We'll talk about yesterday's uh, Saints loss and this week to come with John DeShazer here today on the Black and Blue Report. He is back from Los Angeles and will join us here momentarily in Studio B. And for the Pelicans, kind of a rare Monday night off. They will resume play on Wednesday against Minnesota and then go right back to the West Coast with games on Friday against uh, the Utah Jazz and Saturday against the Portland Trailblazers. But again, the Pelicans are coming off of a 3-1 and week that included wins over San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and Phoenix, and uh, losing on Saturday night to uh, the Golden State Warriors. Special guest here on the basketball side today, we welcome back Mark Spears, who writes for the Undefeated. And the Undefeated, of course, is under the ESPN.com umbrella. Mark's in town. He's a New Orleanian. He'll uh, join us today to talk about the Pelicans, DeMarcus Cousins, and uh, some of the storylines around the NBA upcoming this week. So we've got a great show for you to get things started on this on this Monday. We'll take our first break, and when we come back, we'll start up our Saints conversation with John DeShazer. Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. What is big? Big is a ballin', shot calling, gravity defying offense, and a lockdown defense. Big is you and your posse getting loud and proud. Big is an insatiable appetite for winning. Come see the Pelicans take on the reigning champs, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and the Golden State Warriors Monday, December 4th. Visit pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans, do it big. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly and John DeShazer. Time to talk some football. Let's dig a little bit deeper into yesterday's loss at Los Angeles for the New Orleans Saints. And to do so, we welcome John DeShazer in from NewOrleansSaints.com as he joins us inside Studio B. Welcome home, my friend. It's always good to be home. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving holiday at least. Yeah, I had a great Thanksgiving um, and a really nice trip 
to the West Coast outside of the game. Everything else was pretty good. <laughs> the game itself, that did not go as I thought it would. I knew it would be a battle with the Rams, but certainly I think that, um, John, as you put it yesterday on the on the Saints postgame show, uh, there was a lot to be desired about yesterday's performance by the Saints. Yeah, I mean, offensively, this was not what we're accustomed to seeing from the Saints, and we've said that. God, must be four or five times already this season. The numbers are there to say that the Saints have been a good offensive team. And yet when we've seen them, you know, the eyeball test suggests that they just hadn't been. Now, I, th I think some of that probably has to do with the fact that they're running the ball more this year and they're running it more effectively. And so they're not putting up the 35 points in the, in the 400 yards passing that we're accustomed to seeing. And we thought that, you know, okay, after the Washington game, well, you know, if they need that kind of game from Drew Brees in the passing game, they're capable of producing it. But they couldn't produce it yesterday against the Rams. The Rams applied a ton of pressure defensively. Um, and, and Aaron Donald, their defensive tackle, is, I guess, the equivalence of the Saints that Cam Jordan would be, except Aaron Donald is con considered the best in the business at his position and Cam doesn't get quite the recognition that he should. But, I mean, those guys put a lot of pressure on Drew Brees. Drew Brees probably should have walked away from that game with, you know, at least two and maybe three or four interceptions that the Rams had, you know, hands on the ball and dropped it. And uh, the Saints receivers just, you know, outside of Michael Thomas a couple times, just couldn't seem to get uh, the necessary separation. Uh, they ran the ball not as effective as effectively as one would think when you look at the numbers. Alvin Kamara, yes, had the 74-yard touchdown run, but their other 16 runs went for, I think, 49 yards. So, you know, they weren't great in terms of running it. Uh, they weren't great in terms of throwing it. Uh, overall, they commit seven penalties, 412 yards. Now, you know, several, you know, a couple of those were defensive, but the ones that happened offensively were huge in that they took the Saints way off schedule. They had one. You know, second and goal from the three where Michael Ingram catches a touchdown and, and Michael Umanawanui uh, gets flagged for offensive pass interference. And all of a sudden, instead of getting seven points, the Saints end up with three on a Will Lutz field goal at a time when they needed a touchdown in the fourth quarter. So, you know, offensively, again, we're not accustomed to seeing the Saints struggle, especially against a pressure defense like the Rams play. Uh, Wade Phillips is known for pressure and Drew Brees, is known for kind of carving up pressure, and it just didn't happen yesterday. So, you know, I guess, you know, we're we're looking at an 8-3 and three team and we're saying there are some issues to be solved, and I guess it's good to be trying to solve them when you're 8-3 and three as opposed to 3-8. and eight. But, you know, yesterday's game film will be a, a brutal one to watch, I would imagine. Defensively, John, did we see what we saw in the first two weeks of the season, and is that directly related to the fact that Lattimore and Crawley were unable to play? We saw some of that, but I don't necessarily know that that's the case because, and I'll, and I'll say this, uh, Lattimore also didn't play in weeks three and four, and they beat Carolina and they beat Miami, so I don't know if it's all attributable to that, but – you know, is it some of that? Of course, because, I mean, you're missing your two starting cornerbacks, and those guys really were playing nice at the corner. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, we know all the accolades he's racking up, and, and he's a shutdown corner. And Ken Crawley, a guy who was inactive the first two games, uh, has played stellar at the other cornerback position since he came back. And if you have new guys out there, well, one thing you have to have is communication, which the Saints admit 
they you know they lapsed in communication uh, in terms of defensively yesterday. Uh, the second thing you have to have is probably a little bit more pressure. And 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 look, Cam Jordan did his 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 part. And and let me let me, I guess, give some breaking news here and, and give some some insight to something that a lot of people don't know. Cam Jordan's probably going to have a pretty decent NFL career. Um, but <laughs> when you when you if you if you take him away from man, I mean, you know, yeah, Craig Robertson ended up getting a sack on a nicely timed blitz. But the Saints didn't get enough pressure on Jared Goff, and he sat back in the pocket, and he's mobile enough to move around a couple of times and they escape some trouble, and he just carved them up in the secondary. And, uh, yeah, some of it's got to be attributable to not having your starting corners, but some of it is simply not getting to the quarterback. And the, that's the assistance that you give those cornerbacks, Devontae Harris and P.J. Williams. You give them some help by getting to the quarterback, because if you can't get to the quarterback, now they're in coverage a little bit longer than you want to be. And that's everybody, not just the corners. Everybody's in coverage a little bit longer than you want to be. Uh, Cooper Cup comes out and has a phenomenal game, including a 53-yard catch. Uh, they had a, a tight end, I think his name is Tyler Higby, who had a big catch against the Saints. So it wasn't just the corners. you know, It was the secondary in general. When you're not able to apply that pressure and the quarterback gets an extended amount of time, he's going to probably have a decent day against you. Kenny Vaccaro had a rough first half, John. You want to you want to chalk that up to a little bit of rust after missing some time with injury? Well, I mean, you can make that excuse for him, but I mean, you know, he said he was ready to play last week, and so he said basically he set out last week the Washington game as a as a precaution. So he played this this Sunday at one hundred percent. And look, we've heard Coach Sean Payton say on numerous occasions that the preference is to have Kenny Vaccaro close to the line of scrimmage in the box. Uh, they want to keep him tight, and I think we saw some of the reasons why they don't necessarily enjoy seeing him out, you know, in coverage, in deep coverage, because, you know, he had some issues on it yesterday, and he's had some issues with that in the past. I know they've worked with him to try to, you know, practice and, and get him playing deeper and, and get him, I guess, a little bit more accustomed and comfortable playing in those positions, but they like him closer to the line of scrimmage, and the Rams put him in coverage and forced him to have to cover. Speaking of coverage and, and guys playing maybe where they aren't as comfortable, John, did you see effects of the fact that Sheldon Rankins was pushed to the outside and play on the end as opposed to the interior yesterday? Well, it, it's tough to say because, I mean, you know, when you've got Cam and you, you're concentrating on him, yeah, it, it seems like it overshadows everybody else. But they're going to have to have some some production from that other end, whether it's Sheldon Rankins or whether it's, uh, uh, whether it's uh, Haoli Kakaha or whether it's Trey Hendrickson. And maybe from time to time, you know, you can throw David Onyemata out there. But somebody is going to have to come up and give Cam a little bit of help uh, from just the basic pass rush as opposed to having to blitz and send the house, you know, as regularly as Dennis Allen might have to because that's when you'll, you get those guys in one-on-one -on -one coverage and that's when they get into a little bit of difficulty. Uh, hopefully Sheldon Rankin's, can anchor in. Now, he's a guy who we expected to be more of a threat as a pass rusher, uh, especially this season after we saw him in limited time last year get four sacks in basically half a season, and it just hadn't come up on on numbers-wise. It hadn't come up statistically that he's had a huge effect. Now, I know they said, you know, hey, he has had that effect if you look at what he's done in terms of you know, occupying blockers and, and what he's done in the run game and what he's done. He has applied some pressure, and he's just unfortunately 
been the second or third guy there instead of the first guy there in terms of getting the sack. But on a day like yesterday, if you put him on the end and you want to see those flash plays out of him, you want to see that impact out of him because the Saints needed it desperately yesterday. John DeShazer with us from NewOrleansSaints.com. Hey, John, before we look forward to this new week, I, I do also want to ask you about the third phase, special teams. Boy, it seemed to be a big story yesterday. Well, they didn't do a very good job in coverage a- at all. And know- and coming into the game, knowing that Farrell Cooper was, if not the best returner in the league, then certainly one of the top three, I would imagine. Uh, he was averaging 30 yards per kickoff return and 10 yards per punt return. He didn't hurt either one of those averages yesterday. And, in fact, if – if Will Lutz doesn't tackle him on the opening kickoff, he might have taken it all the way to the house. And if Thomas Morstead doesn't throw his body in the way and kind of gum up the works on the 40-yard punt return, he might have taken that one all the way. So those are issues that, you know, unfortunately have popped up a couple of times for the Saints this year. We I remember seeing it, obviously, again in the Detroit game when Jamal Agnew returned that punt 74 yards for a touchdown. And so coverage issues – have popped up a couple of times for the Saints this year. And by contrast, they didn't get a return yesterday. Um, now, Johnny Hecker, the, the Rams punter, is, you know, if he ain't, you know, our modern-day Ray guy, he's some close approximation to it. I mean, he's the best in the business at what he does, and there's a reason he keeps going to the Pro Bowl. And they've got a kicker, Greg Zerline, who doesn't give you a chance on kickoffs. He kicks everything out of the end zone. He kicked a 50-plus yarder yesterday. And that thing was on the rise when it went through the uprise. I mean, it could have been good from 70 or something. So they've got two guys who are, if they're not the best in the business, they're pretty close to the best in the business. So return-wise, you can kind of excuse the Saints for not being able to get anything going. But in ter- but coverage-wise, they've got to be better than that. I mean, that they've shown some some chinks in the armor where, people are going to look at it and say, okay, if they pop that return on them, why can't we? Now, sometimes it requires a special returner, and Pharaoh Cooper might just be a special returner, but everybody looks at, you know, it's, it's a copycat league, right? It's the same in any sport. If you see a weakness in the team and you see another team exploit it, you grab that film and you run to the room to figure out how you're going to exploit it the exact same way until they show you they can stop it. So they've had some issues covering yesterday that have to be accounted for uh, before they play Carolina. Yeah, speaking of Carolina, let's move on to that. John, every week we hear, you know, this week's game is the biggest game of the season because it's the next one. Um, you can have that You can have that theory, and it certainly applies this week. And, oh, by the way, it is now the biggest game of the year, seeing as Carolina is also 8-3, and three, and you've got them in your building this weekend. This is to me, this is a monster game coming up on Sunday. Monster game and a monster stretch. Think about this stretch for the Saints. You get the Rams on the road, Carolina at home, and then you go to Atlanta on a short week. So that's three games, 11 days, I think it is. Um, a division leader. Now, I won't, well, Carolina technically isn't a co-division leader because the Saints own the tiebreak over them. And then one of the hottest teams in the division, the Falcons, they're going to for the Thursday night game. So this is a critical stretch for the Saints, and two of the three are on the road. And look, if you look at it on paper and you go into it, you say, okay, they got to get the one at home, okay? (laughs) You know, because, you know, you can't count on anything on the road and you can't really count on anything at home nowadays in the NFL. But if you're going to get one, you got to get the one at home. And look, Carolina is going to be a little bit bit salty about the way the Saints dominated them 
in Charlotte earlier this season, beat them 34 to 13. I think a lot of that was, you know, Carolina was kind of finding itself. Cam Newton wasn't quite himself yet after offseason shoulder surgery, wasn't throwing the ball particularly well, and he didn't throw it great yesterday either, but they still beat the Jets. But he certainly didn't throw it well earlier when the Saints saw him. So they are a team that feels like they're on a roll. They feel like this is kind of their division. They won it a couple of years ago at 15-1. and They fell back last year, but they're back on the rise again this year. Now, man, this is a critical game for the Saints, but this is a critical three-game stretch to be able to kind of hold your ground. You don't want to come out of it any worse for the wear than, than you were when you went into it. What about injuries, John? Anything that we should note here at the start of the week, or is that something we have to track later in the week? Well, we'll track them during the week, but Teron Armstead left the game yesterday with a hamstring injury. Um, Kobe Fleener reportedly left the game with a concussion, and, and he got a basically a crown of the helmet to face mask blow uh, that resulted in a, in a personal foul on the Rams. But he he left the game late in the tunnel, and as he was walking off, one of the um, one of the team doctors had his helmet. That's usually the universal sign of a player having a concussion, and they're taking his helmet away from him to make sure he doesn't go back in the game, and you know all that kind of stuff. So you've got those two guys. You've got the two starting cornerbacks who you have to monitor to see if they're going to come back. Marshawn Lattimore with the ankle, Ken Crawley with the abdomen. So you're hoping that those two guys are able to make it back. And otherwise, I don't think there were any significant injuries of note, but those are, are some big ones right there. No doubt. Big week ahead. John, I appreciate it. I know you're probably a little bleary-eyed from a late arrival from the West Coast. And uh, off we go into Carolina week now. Yeah, I'm on the Carolina, and hopefully, like I said, the Saints got to wash this one out of their mouths pretty quick now. But today's film session should be very instructive. It should be very critical, and it should be something that these guys look at because, you know, when you when you win eight in a row, I think uh, Sean Payton said that he was regarding it. I think it, it was one of the reasons they hired Mike Westhoff to be the special teams coach, that when you win, you can sometimes – you know, overlook and gloss over the things that, you know, can get you beat or the, or the deficiencies. And I think some of those things that can get you beat and some of those deficiencies popped up yesterday against the Rams. It was a great eight-game run. But look, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, and the Saints are going to have to do something uh, with Carolina on Sunday. You're very right. John, thank you, sir. I appreciate it very much. No problem. John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. Mark Spears from The Undefeated takes us in the direction of basketball when we come back. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe original and reinvented just like its hometown visit dixiebeer.com to learn more and always drink dixie responsibly dixie brewing company new orleans louisiana the new orleans pelicans have the perfect way for you to do it big with your buds by scoring the guys night out six pack packages are available for select home games throughout the season and include two tickets and four beers all for as low as fifty dollars so do it big with the next Guys Night Out six-pack on Wednesday, November 29th against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Visit pelicans.com to plan your next Guys Night Out today. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. 
Let's turn our attention to the Pelicans and the NBA here on this Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Bring back an old friend. He's local. He's national. He's our own. He's Mark Spears. He actually has been here in New Orleans over the Thanksgiving holiday, and we welcome him back. Of course, Mark is now with ESPN's The Undefeated. Happy belated Thanksgiving, my friend. I hope it was a great visit back to your hometown. Yeah, I need to get in the gym. Well, this I think all of us do. And pasta, man, this is um, this is a problem for a Californian guy that lives in California now. I'm getting going to get back on the on the wagon, but I knew this was coming, and I enjoyed every bite. I'm so glad you had great weather too, didn't you? little chilly um when we first got in town uh we actually went to the lsu game saturday night um had an amazing time uh got to be in the president suite saw carl malone talked to carl malone uh talked to randy livingston um, and had really good weather that night it, w- it wasn't cold at all but you know it's um it was okay weather i, I wouldn't say it was great but i wouldn't say it was poor either yeah, we've been we've been dying for some of that cool weather down here, something to feel like fall. That's so. I think we've all been excited about that. Mark, oh, you're uh, tired of the heat, huh? Yeah, done. We're done with that. Yep, I know. <laughs> I think everybody is. So that's I think why we were relishing the uh, seasonal weather, I guess. Um, Mark, what do you make of these Pelicans so far? What have you seen in their start to the season? Um, I still think they're a work in progress, but for the most part, I like them. The Warriors' loss is a weird loss with the guys uh, with Durant and Draymond being out. But for the most part, of late, I, I, I thought they've played encouraging, uh, played encouraging fashion, played well, continue to improve. You know, you just get Rondo back, so there's going to be some adaption process to him. And there's some also some other uh, veteran new faces that you know everybody has to get used to. So I, I see this team if it can stay healthy, continuing to get better as the season going goes on. And I think most NBA writers would also agree that they're, one, that they'll probably make the playoffs, and two, that they're a team you don't want to play in the playoffs. You know, I'm, I'm sure the Warriors are hoping they, they move up the ladder a little bit because when you have two bigs like that playing in the playoffs who have rest between games, that's just that's just a scary playoff matchup. Mark, do you think that you've seen something in common amongst the New Orleans opponents as to how they go about handling that duo? Um, I mean, obviously the best thing is to have somebody else beat you. And, um, you know, uh, getting Cousins in foul trouble certainly helps as well. But when those two guys are rolling, I, I, don't, I don't know that there's any defense for it. I don't think there's anything you could do. Um they're just too talented. They're both capable of com- combining for 60 points. And if Drew, Drew Holiday's cooking as well, they're capable of beating any team on any given night. I think there still needs to be continued improvement to their bench, to their supporting cast. Um, that will certainly, I think, help them long term. So if there are some, you know, I think it still needs another shooter. Perhaps pick up somebody. Um, when there's some cuts at the beginning of January and make some kind of small trade or or, or, or find a shooter, uh, I think that, that could help. But um, those two guys, man, when they're rolling, um, they might be the best duo in the league. 
Mark Spears here with us from the Undefeated. Hey, Mark, you mentioned you talked to Carl Malone the other night. Um, aside from the obvious, how are these two bigs, Cousins and Davis, different from the traditional bigs that we grew to love over the years, like Malone, like Ewing, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, on and on and on? Because uh, they, they do more with the dribble. Um, they shoot threes. Carl, I don't think Carl ever shot a three. Um nor nor Elijah one. One thing Carl did do was he did. You could give him the ball on the wing, and he would you know drive it to the basket and make a move and stuff like that. So you you know you see a lot of that from Anthony and and, and from Demarcus. But those guys are such you know unique players um, because really they could do everything. There's, there's nothing they can't do. I don't know that you really want them bringing the ball up, but they can. Uh, they both can shoot threes. They both can pass well, score in the post. They both have guard dribbling skills, which, which is stunning to me at his their uh, their size. You know, I I asked cousins um, like how who taught you to dribble like that? Who told you to dribble like that? Because you know, me being a former college player, when I was in the sixth grade, they basically threw me in the post. And obviously there's an age difference between me and DeMarcus, but they basically threw me in the post and said, you know, don't go anywhere else. Don't learn anything else. And he said he actually learned how to do everything else because people told him not to. <laughs> so he's like, you're not going to tell me I can't dribble. You're not going to tell me I can't shoot. So he learned how to do those things. So it made it hard for for somebody to tell him otherwise. Well, that, that's a perfect lead into the next question I was going to ask you about, and that is, uh, you know, deeper into Cousins. You've known him for a long time. That story, Mark, tells me so much more about DeMarcus that that it makes starts, it, it, every day makes more sense about the way he is, the way he operates, the way he's wired. What's, what, what is the thing you would hope that Pelicans fans would understand about him that perhaps they don't if they don't have a chance to spend time with him? Um, well, one thing off the court, I put him up against anybody in sports. He's the most generous um, player I've been around, um, most caring, and a lot of the stuff that he does you'll never see. Um, there was a kid who was um, a high school football player who was murdered in Sacramento, and um, Cousins paid for the funeral. He, he was so... Um, taken from the story he, he loves high school football he, i'm sure he's been to a few games out here but in sacramento he would often go to football games high school football games and i think he had watched his kid play and liked them and you know paid for the funeral funeral and if it wasn't for like a city councilman mentioned it in a press conference or something nobody would have knew about it um there was another instance um where there was this family that had a van and the father had an accident in the van and crashed the van, so he had to move over to a, a motorcycle as a mode of transportation, and then he ended up getting a motorcycle accident and dying. Um, DeMarcus, like, bought the family a van to help them get around. So there, there's a lot of stories like that, probably more things than you can think of. I saw he was in a night ward the other day. Um, he'll have a thing in New Orleans called Santa Claus, uh, where he'll get 200 kids, give them a $200 gift certificate, and he, he does this in Mobile and had been doing it in Sacramento, and let the kids go 
underprivileged kids go buy something at Target, whatever they want with the $200 at Target, and then have them come back to him and talk to him about the presents they got and why. And it's, like I said, it's 200 kids, and I've been this to this twice. He spends time with every single kid. It's, it's, it's beautiful to watch. And oftentimes it's interesting to see, you know, what kids get because most of those kids don't buy just for themselves. They buy for their their brothers, sisters, and whatnot. And um, I think um, I, I think they'll hopefully get to know more of that. But you know, off the court, I mean, on the court, he extremely cares about winning, and that's where I think a lot of the fight and anger comes. And that's why I think he's you tell he's happier here because there's not as many of those moments that he had in Sacramento. But he, he takes losing extremely hard. Yeah, no, he's not much fun to be around after that. You're right. Can I can I bring up the fact that you've got something special coming along the way here with ESPN and DeMarcus Cousins? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody knows this or not. Mark, you're putting together an E60 piece, and I'd love to, to know what, what angle you're finding yourself in with that. Well, you know, E60 and ESPN is like uh, many sports documentaries and you know, I was able, so far I've done a Sports Center feature in China on Stephon Marbury and, and Chris Dunn. Um, the Marbury thing kind of really took off. But this is, E60 is a different level. I mean, it's it could be 20 minutes. Uh, so I, I think the question you asked me before is something that a lot of NBA fans have wondered, like, what is, what is the Marcus Cousins really like? And we plan to answer that question for you. You know, going behind the scenes uh, with him, um, talking about what makes him tick, what makes him, you know, made him the player that he is, and how Mobile kind of raised him. So, you know, we, we've um, been to Mobile once already. We're going to go again. We we had some filming in New Orleans, and we filmed in Sacramento when he returned. It's some amazing behind-the-scene footage of of that game. Um, so I'm not sure when it will all run, but when it does air, uh, I think it's going to be pretty sweet, pretty pretty fantastic. And Pelicans fans and, and NBA fans, for that matter, will finally, you know, start to understand the method to his madness. Yeah, I, I hope you send me a text before uh, it gets all put together so that we can talk uh, again. I'll come back on before it yeah. does and we can talk about it. Perfect. Mark Spears from The Undefeated with us. Before I let you go, Mark, where are you going this week? What are the NBA storylines that you've got your eyes on here as we begin December? Well, um, Tony Parker uh, comes back with the Spurs today after his quadriceps injury, really uh, painful, rare injury. And I actually have a story up on ESPN's Undefeated um, now called um, about uh, soccer legend Thierry Henry uh, basically, you know, really being a friend and, and supporting Tony Parker actually in person to try to help him recover from this injury and um, he's like the Michael Jordan of soccer you know I know a lot of Americans don't know who Thierry Henry is but trust me he's pretty special worldwide and so it's a story on that and I'm actually on Wednesday I'm going to go to Los Angeles and I'm going to see Stephen Curry face Lonzo Ball for the first time and I, I believe uh, LeVar Ball did talk some trash about Curry and how his son's going to be better 
it'll be the first meeting between those two, and I'm, I'm sure there'll be a lot of eyes on that. Oh, there'll be a lot of eyes on that, and there'll be a lot of ears listening to uh, some of it I'd like to tune out, that's for sure. But uh, we'll be following you, Mark, that's for sure. Great talking to you. I'm glad you were able to get back home here to New Orleans for the holiday to see family and friends. Safe travels today, my friend. All right, brother. Take care now. Go Tigers. Thank you. you too. Yes, sir. Mark Spear, if you're undefeated, here to wrap up our show on this Monday. We also thank John DeShazer also uh, for stopping by and recapping yesterday's Saints game in Los Angeles. We've got a busy week ahead for both the Pelicans and the Saints, and we'll uh, be gracious to you and uh, grateful as well for, uh, for you all having us a part of your coverage this week of those two teams. I'm Sean Kelly. We'll see you next time on the Black and Blue Report.